Welcome back to the Unapologetic Me podcast. I'm your host, Kirby, and I am so grateful that you are back here with me today for a new podcast episode. Honestly, thank you all so much for such an amazing response on my last week, pod, my last week, my last podcast episode last week. Uh, it was very exciting for me to honestly be able to finally share that information with all of you not only with the healing that has come as a result of it but I'm an open book and so being able to finally share this openly and feel like I'm not hiding something I I didn't want to hide anything from all of you but I honestly wanted to be able to experience it and see if it was something that I felt was going to work. I wanted to just allow myself to have the experience without having anyone else's opinions or thoughts or viewpoints on what I was doing. I just wanted to be in the moment with it. And it was a lot for me, you know, and it's been interesting and it's been so weird to also not speak so openly about it because I'm sure as you all know I am a freaking open book so it has been difficult for me to not speak about that because it's been something that's been so integral in my life for the last four and a half almost five months now so now that the cat's out of the bag this episode I kind of want to explain how this whole thing kind of came about give you all a breakdown I'm sure many of you are interested in knowing how this happened, how this worked, like how it came about that we're here together in Mexico. So his name is Pablo. He's 100% Dominican. He's fluent in Spanish. He's first generation born in the United States. His parents were both born in the Dominican Republic and moved to the States and didn't speak English. I believe they came into the States in their early 20s. And they moved to the Bronx. And then he grew up, um, he lived in the Bronx, I believe, until he was like 11 years old or something. And then he moved to New Jersey. He and I met, actually, when we were 25 years old. I had met him and we had an instant connection with each other. But both of us had just gotten out of really long, pretty toxic relationships. My second really abusive relationship that I had been in had been with a guy who had children and was divorced and he really took a toll on me personally and because of what I had been through with my father and just my upbringing you know I didn't even really know how to accept love from somebody I didn't even know how to love myself and at that time I didn't know that but I was so starved for love and affection when I met Pablo at 25, I completely fell head over heels for him because he's a really genuine good guy. He's a very soft-spoken, kind, caring, compassionate guy. And I kind of at the time took that a little bit as weakness because I had always been with these like other really tough like guys. But also he's Spanish and he was so affectionate with me. Like he was so affectionate and I was so starved. But what had happened was we had started dating and he got this amazing job in California, which was basically his dream job working for 
Neil Strauss, who is kind of a celebrity, I guess you would say, but basically he was known as one of the top like dating coaches. And so Pablo got a job to go work for him at his company. Within three weeks of him and I meeting each other, he then was moving to LA and I lived in New York City. And so we tried really hard to keep something going, but Pablo had never really lived away from his home. At that point, I had lived on my own for six years already. There was so much that he didn't know about himself. And he also began working a very stressful kind of high profile job, which took all of his energy. And so our relationship fizzled almost instantly. There was just, it was so difficult. And we also had a three hour time difference. There were so many things, so many factors going on here. And I'm actually the one who ended it with him because at the time, my mental health was so bad. I just wasn't okay. I literally, I remember feeling when I broke up with him, which was over the phone because, you know, we were long distance. I, my mental health was so bad. I couldn't function normally as a human. This was when I was then 26. And this is when I was in therapy and I was on all these antidepressants and I was trying to manage just everything. And I was not okay as a person. I'm completely open about that. And I spoke about a lot of that in my anxiety and depression podcast episode. So if you want to listen back, you can hear a lot more about that time in my life. And there was no animosity between us because that was the first time in my life. And we dated for a very, very short time. It was such a short amount of time. There was just no animosity when things ended at that point. And we always... I always wanted nothing but good things for him. I always, like he and I would occasionally chat with each other times past that and there was no like hard feelings. That was the first time where I had like had a casual dating system with somebody and not had any hard feelings towards them because I had only ever been with like really, really bad people before that. And at this point when I got out of this relationship, I actually was prioritizing myself because I wasn't okay. I really wasn't. And we saw each other, you know, a couple of the years past that, where if he came out to the East Coast, and he was visiting his family for the holidays, and I was in town, we would link up and have dinner, and, you know, chat about whatever, just our jobs, our careers, you know, we at that point, were both living our dream jobs. I was working as a designer at Ralph Lauren, he was working, you know, for his his dream person, Neil Strauss, and we both were really happy for the fact that we were both living what we thought our dreams were. There was never like any animosity. When I was 29, about three years after we had broken up, I was living in New Jersey and that was the last place I lived. I moved to New Jersey my last year in New York City because I was so fed up with the stress of living in New York City. And anyone who lives in New York City can probably understand and relate to this. Number one was because you also pay a city tax. So you pay a state tax a federal tax, and then you pay a city tax. And the city tax is basically the same as your state tax. So you pay extra money in taxes just to live in one of the five boroughs, which is Manhattan, Queens, Brooklyn, the Bronx, and Staten Island. So even just living in one of those boroughs, you pay an extra tax. Plus, I was tired of having roommates. I was tired of having no space. And so I found this amazing apartment in New Jersey, where I was able to live and I had a one bedroom. It was a huge apartment. It was so awesome. I loved that apartment. 
but I obviously had to commute from New Jersey and it was $1,500 a month for a one bedroom. And I was happy because I finally had my own space. Like it made me very happy inside. We saw each other that time when I was 29 and we went out to dinner and, you know, um, there was still like a connection between us, but it's like, we both knew that it just wasn't possible for us to be together, you know? And I kind of thought maybe after that time that there would be a a chance, maybe something between us. But the thing is about Pablo at that point in time, number one, you know, it really does take time for men to mature. I don't want to say that, but it does. And he kind of was just same old, same old. I'm not going to say that he was an awful person because he wasn't, but he just, he was all talk and he was no action. You know, it's like he would say that I was some type of priority to him, but he never backed it up with action. And I kept saying to him, like, I don't believe anything that you say because your actions never back it up. You claim that you want me to be in your life, but then you ignore me for three weeks. I'll text you. You don't respond for weeks. Then you text me and I respond immediately. And then you leave me hanging. And I just felt like I was on this yo-yo with him where I was a convenience. When it was convenient for him to talk to me, we chatted. And for a while, like that didn't bother me. But then it did start to bother me because I was like, you talk this big game that you feel that you still care about me, but you never back it up with your actions. And I just felt like I'm worthy of more. I don't fucking want that. Like, I don't want somebody who only pops in when it's convenient for them. I don't want somebody who texts me only at 2 a.m. when they're lonely and thinking about me. Like, that's not what I want, you know? And up until that point, I had been single, you know, since he and I had ended things after our short stint together. And so then really after that 29 years, we were both 29 because he and I are almost the same age. He's born in September and I'm born in November, both, both in 1987. We decided, like I said to him after that, like, I'm done. We're, we're completely done here. I'm closing the chapter on us. I don't have anything more to give to this. I wish you nothing but the best. I want great things for you. And let's go on our way. Like this is, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to be in this limbo phase anymore. You know, obviously it was shortly after that. It was about one month before my 30th birthday. I moved back to Chicago after, you know, being so not happy at my job and all of those pieces. And then I obviously, you know, you all know so much of my journey from my thirties until where I'm at now, which is 33 and a half. But basically I moved back to Chicago was healing from Lyme disease, mold poisoning, had my spiritual awakening, went on this two-year alchemist journey. And through that time, he began dating a woman. He began dating a woman when he was 30 years old. Through, we didn't really speak the rest of our 29th year. We didn't really speak our 30th year. And then I think when we were 31, at some point we had like a text conversation. Again, there was no animosity. I never had any ill anger towards him. And I always had told people, you know, Pablo's the only guy I had ever dated who, where I just have no ill will towards them. I just want great things. He's a great guy. We just, you know, didn't work out. And um, I had always told all my friends, all my family that. And when we would have conversations, it would usually one of us would be asking something about business, you know, in our lives or, or something that we just needed an answer or whatever. We'd have like a short combo and then we, there wouldn't be a conversation for like another year. 
So we had chatted when we were 31, I think. And then when I left Chicago, I guess it was right after my 32nd birthday is when I left Chicago, right? Because it's been about, I guess, a year and like seven months since I've been gone. So yeah, it would be right after my 32nd birthday, I left Chicago. And that New Year's, I was going to go and stay in California because I kept asking my intuition, where should I go? I ended up going to Portland, but I thought that I was going to be going to California because an inkling in me kept telling me to go to California too. So when I still thought that I was going to be going to California, I had messaged him because he was the only person that I knew that lived in California. And I said, hey, I might be around, you know, around the New Year's time if you're free, like, let's get together and have lunch or something. And he never responded to me. And when he never responded to me, I remembered saying to myself, because I was in such a different place because I was on this spiritual journey. I remember saying to myself, like, okay, I really want to close this door on Pablo. I feel like we've had our time. There's no reason for us to stay in communication. Like I need to just not even if we're, if we ever run into each other, then fine. But if we're hypothetically going to be in the same place, like I'm not going to do this again, where I reach out to him because I just don't think it's fair to me. I just feel like I'm not being respected. Like, you know, like I said, in the past, there had been so many times where I would message him, he wouldn't respond. And then when he would message me, I would always respond. And I just didn't like that feeling. So I really, that year, it was December of 2019, I decided I'm just going to close this chapter. So obviously I spent all of that January in Portland. I did end up going down into LA at the end of January and I didn't reach out to him. And I had really made peace with that. Like, I'm okay with this. I clearly went on through all of 2020 and everything. You all know how I've been actively calling in my soulmate, my partner. I kept asking my guides, like, I'm really, really ready to be in a partnership. And they were like, no, you're not. And I was like, fuck off. Yes, I am. And they were like, no, we need you to build your business first. Like your priority right now needs to be you building your business. And honestly, they were totally right. They were like, when you build your business and get things flowing, like you'll be in a place where you can manage being in a relationship. But right now you can't, you need to focus on your business. And this was in early 2020 when I was just starting my business. And I was like, fine, I'm committed to my business. Like I'm committed to doing this. I'm going to commit to that. I'm committed to my own growth and my own healing journey. And I'm going to focus on those things. And he will just come along. He will just pop up in my life. When I left Mexico at the end of 2020 and I went back into the States, I went into Austin and then I went into California. Again, I didn't reach out to him. He was completely out of my mind. He was completely not in my forefront at all. I had closed the door on that, but I kept getting this inkling like he's close by, he's close by. And I just was like, all right, you know, it was so funny because I asked my guides because I was getting a little bit antsy at the end of 2020. And I kept asking my guides, like, where am I going to meet him? Am I going to meet him here in Austin? And they were like, yeah, you're going to meet him here in Austin. And I was like, okay, great. My soulmate's in Austin. Like, so I got on um, dating app in Austin because I was like, I'm going to meet my soulmate in Austin. You know, like that's what I kept thinking, even though I had literally put it on my list that I didn't want to meet a guy on a dating app. But I also like didn't know what to do at that anymore because it's like, how do you meet people? Like, right. Like, how do you meet people to date? You know what I mean? I'm also a realist. Plus, we've just gone through this pandemic. I was just like, I, I don't even know how to meet people. Plus, I hardly know anybody in Austin. You know what I mean? 
But so I spent the time in California pretty much the last couple of weeks of December, last the first three weeks of January. And the first week of January, it was like January 2nd or something. Pablo texted me and he said, I don't know what he said. He said some nonsense like, hey, you know, I hope all is well. And, you know, you've been holding up during this, you know, wild year that we've had. Hope all is well, blah, 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 something. And I looked at that as the universe was testing me. I thought that I was being tested by the universe where your exes pop back up. Mind you, this wasn't like Mercury in retrograde or like full moon time, which is usually when like your exes come back around to see like, you know, to dangle that cookie in front of you to see if you want to fall back into old traps. And so I literally read that. I will never forget this. I was driving in California. I'm pretty sure I was driving in Ojai. I was on the highway and I was driving like around Ojai or something before I went to Big Sur and to Northern California. And I was driving and I literally saw that text and I bust out laughing. And I was like, dang, the universe is really cracking me up because I know my soulmate is so close by (laughs) that I now my ex is fucking reaching out to me. I was like, this is hilarious. I cannot believe this. So I deleted the message and I was like, I'm not even responding to that. Pablo, literally, it's been over a year since I had messaged him. He did not reply to me when I was 32 that December. Like, I'm not doing this. I am deleting this message and I'm showing the universe that like I am adamant that like, no, I'm not. I also was not open, if I'm being honest, to getting back with somebody who was from my past. And that's because when I met Pablo, I was a completely different person. When I was 25, like I was a completely different person as many people are. I mean, but I hadn't even had a spiritual awakening. I now have this spiritual business. I'm like, he's not even going to understand me. Like he's not going to be a conscious man because I also was like projecting, you know, my thoughts on like that he might, he hadn't evolved in that time frame, and that like he was just idolizing this old aspect, this old version of who I was. And I wasn't that woman anymore. I wasn't that same girl that I was when I was 25. Like I have lived lifetimes since then. So I really felt like I had no desire to get back with anybody from my past because I just felt like they knew the old version of me and they had no idea who like Kirby 2.0 was. And I wasn't really willing to coach them up to my level. I wanted to meet a man who was consciously at my level and who totally like was a conscious being and had done inner work and you know was spiritual and connected and blah 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 all this stuff I would say probably about a week after that first text he texted me again he said hey I'm not sure if you got my first message but I really would love to you know link up and chat with you and just see how you're doing you know some some something I don't even remember what these messages say because I deleted them I'm sure he has them on his phone But yeah, I deleted it. So then when I got that second message, I literally was like, is this guy fucking kidding me? Like he has to be kidding me. And I'm pretty sure I was in Big Sur or in Monterey when he sent me that message because I was like, no response is a response, homie. Like I'm not giving you any reason to like contact me. Like I'm not responding to you. 
And why are you still messaging me? Because I literally was like, no, like I had closed the door on him. So I was like, no, like I'm not responding back to him. So then I deleted the message and I blocked his number because I was like, I'm not, I don't want anything to do with this. Like, why is he reaching out to me still? So then I really like, and I didn't think much about it, right? I deleted it. I blocked it. I really was like, I'm showing energetically like, no, I I want nothing to do with this. Then I... (laughs) I was in San Francisco at the end of January. It was like the third week of January. And that's when I got my eagle tattoo. And I had this great time in San Francisco. And I was walking in this park. And I'm pretty sure, what's it called? It's like the the image of San Francisco where they show like in Full House, where it's like the, the like cool row of houses or whatever with like that park. I can't remember what it's called, but it's like an iconic San Francisco kind of like landmark or whatever. I'm walking through that park and he sends me an email and he didn't just send me an email. He also CC'd my business email. So I got it to my personal email account and I got it to my business email account. And I was like this motherfucker. And he sends me this long email professing his love to me. And there was a lot of things that he said super wrong in that email because he just, he didn't really open up vulnerably that like he cared so much about me. He made the whole thing about like, he kept saying like, you might be feeling this or you might be thinking that. And I just kept thinking like, yo, you're not like telling me how you feel. You keep telling me how I might be feeling and you don't know how I'm feeling. Like, fuck off. And then he made me so angry because at the end of this email, He says, if there's no chance and you don't want to hear back from me, just reply to this email with one letter. You don't have to say anything. Just write back with one letter and I'll know that like this is not anything that you want. And if there's a chance, don't reply back at all. And the reason why that made me so angry was I already had not been replying back to this person. And I felt like you don't get to use my boundary with you as a ploy, as a tool for you to get what you want. Like he knew I wasn't going to reply back to that email. And it was like such a nasty, I felt like it was such a rude way of being sneaky because I already had not been responding back to this guy. I actually... I remember I had to delete that email because I kept going back and rereading it. And like every time I reread it, I had like, I would become so angry because I was just like, I cannot believe this guy. Like, what is his deal? Like, it just, it made me really angry inside. And I just felt like it was kind of manipulative the way that it was. And I also felt like I had known that he had been in a relationship, which was totally fine. And I felt like he probably had just gotten out of this relationship and then now wants to come scurrying back to me. And I was just like, no, like I am not a second choice. Like I'm a first choice. I am a priority. I am not a convenience. I'm not going to let you allow me to kind of fall into whatever trap you have. Like, no, like I, I knew kind of like old ways that he had had. And I was like, no, I don't want anything to do with any of this. Like, no, I want nothing. Like this is so ridiculous. So I saw that email. I even called and I told one of my friends about it. 
And she was like, are you sure that this is what you want? Like, you don't even want to have a conversation with him. And I was like, no, I don't want to have a conversation with him. I don't have anything to say. There's nothing to be said. I don't, I don't want to hear what he has to say. I don't care what he has to say. And so then I went on my way and did not acknowledge, you know, and, and kept it moving. I drove back down through California. I went to Joshua Tree. I went to Sedona. Went back to Austin. And then it was when I was in Austin, I really was getting a little bit antsy with my spirit guides and being like, yo, what's the deal here? Like, I have done all the things you wanted me to do for my business. I really, really want to meet somebody like what is happening and they were like soon it's happening really soon actually this didn't happen when I was in Austin that happened when I was in Sedona because I was really getting like fed up but like I I, like didn't know where my partner was and I was like my guides kept telling me it was like happening and I was like when what what is happening and they literally said to me at the end of January they're like it's gonna happen in two weeks don't worry and I was like fine so I like relinquished control right I surrendered I went back to Austin And then as you all remember, maybe you don't remember if you haven't listened back to those podcast episodes, that wild ass snowstorm hit Austin and I was stranded for like nine days where I had no running water. We had no heat and hot water. I met that amazing like Indian family that like took me in. They like adopted me in that time frame. And I was just like so grateful for all of them. That happened on Monday the 16th of February. That Friday, I had decided that I was going to do kind of like a spell. This sounds really wild. And you know what? You just take whatever you want to take from this and like leave the rest of it, okay? You can all think I'm totally nuts, but I decided to like do a spell. I had gone to this kind of like crystal store and there had been some books on like things you can do to like attract in your partner, right? And so I was like, all right, I'm on this. Like I'm doing this. I'm fed up. And there was a couple different ones. I did like four. I did four of them because I was like, I'm not risking this. And like one of them was where I had like all of my list for my partner written out on like a piece of brown paper. And then you put like these specific oils on each of the corners and you you do these like other things. I can't really even remember it, but that was one of them. Another one was where you tie seven pieces of red ribbon together and then you like you know light a candle and some some something I can't even remember and then you take this red ribbon and you sleep with it next to your window and then you bring it outside and you tie it around a tree all right so that was another one so right outside of my Airbnb before this like huge storm hit I like tied this red ribbon around the tree there was another one where you like use rose petals and then you bury the rose petals I like did that I did all these things right like I was like actively calling in this partner and this is Friday February 13th and the only reason why I remember these dates because February 14th is Valentine's Day okay so I did all that stuff on those days and I actually never thought that I would tell any of you that but whatever that's what I did it was about 2 p.m in the afternoon where I did all that stuff maybe like 2 to 4 p.m and at 6 freaking p.m that night i got another email from pablo almost instantaneous after i had done like all these like spells right to like get my partner i get an email and it's a fucking video he sat down to create a video i can't even remember it was like a five or six minute long video telling me like please i really want to talk to you 
I, we have unfinished business. Like I care about you so much. And like, please, like, let's have a conversation. Like, give me the audacity, like have the conversation with me, please. And I couldn't freaking believe it. I could hardly even watch like the first 30 seconds of it because I was just like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe that this guy is sending me another email. I'm trying to call in my partner. Like he's messing everything up. Mind you, I just wasn't acknowledging that like clearly I was calling in him. It's so funny, but I just wanted nothing to do with a past, with anything from my past. And so... I watched like 30 seconds of this video. I've, I had gone back later on and I watched the whole thing, but I watched 30 seconds of it and I was just like, no, no, I want nothing to do with this guy. Like, no, I want nothing to do with him. So I emailed him back almost instantaneous. This is the first time I had responded to anything of his. And I said, it was quite cold, but I was firm because I was just not fucking around, to be honest. And I said, Pablo, I have no desire to reconnect with you. This isn't code for try harder. I want nothing but the best for you. I've always wanted nothing but the best for you. I've moved on and moved forward in my life. And this is not something that I want moving forward. I wish you all the best, Kirby. I said, it was, that's like basically exactly what it said. And I said, don't reply back to this email because I don't want to hear from you. <laughs> I was like really adamant. I felt like he was blocking me from bringing in my partner. <laughs> Oh boy. So he didn't, he didn't respond to the email and I felt fine. I felt good. And then I went on, I was on Bumble, I think. I think I was on Bumble. I can't remember. I was on one of those dating apps because I was like, no, I know my partner is here in Austin. My highest self told me I was going to meet him in Austin. (laughs) Wait till you hear the rest of the story. It's so funny. But I went on Bumble. I told you all, I didn't want to meet a guy on a dating app, but I felt like I had nothing to do. And then I like met this one guy who also was kind of like a traveling nomad and he was like do you want to like have drinks tomorrow or something and so then that and I was like oh this must be a guy sign for my guy it's like oh I, this guy wants to take me out and like he wants to take me out soon and I was like yeah that'd be great so we went out and honestly like it was I mean the date was fine or whatever the following day we went out the date was fine but um he literally did not look like his photos. He looked probably 10 years younger in his photos and he looked completely different. Like in his photos, he had like all dark kind of like luscious hair. And then like in person, he was like full gray head of hair and like full gray beard. And I was like, dude, like how old are your fucking dating app photos? Like my God. So we ended up having a good conversation or whatever, but the like I was like I'm not attracted to this guy and that's the thing with me too is if I'm not attracted to somebody instantaneous I'm never going to grow an attraction for them. It's not that these people are not attractive people. I have no problem saying like oh that's an attractive person, but I'm not attracted to them. I'm very very picky and there's just some guys that I'm attracted to and other guys that I'm not. And I don't feel bad for that. But I'm not just attracted to like a whole slew of men. I'm only attracted to like very specific type of guys. And the guys that I'm attracted to, you might not be attracted to. And that's totally fine. And that's why we're all different. You know what I mean? I also know that if I meet somebody in person and I'm not attracted to them, I'm not going to grow an attraction for them. Two days later is when that wild storm hit. And the first day of this storm 
there was nothing open. You couldn't get food anywhere, right? I had no like food prepared at my house. I didn't have a gas stove, so I couldn't heat any water or any food up or whatever. I had an electric stove. So then I sat like in my car eating like, I don't even know what I ate. I definitely ate like cold food that I had had in the fridge. I ate like avocado toast, but on like a non-toasted piece of bread, which totally fucking sucked. But I spent like the whole day sitting in my car. And the wild thing about this was I was sitting in my car facing my Airbnb and I to the right of where my, the building was, was the tree with the red ribbon on it. And for some reason, like that day, I could not, I was super removed from everything because when a natural disaster kind of happens like that, and this is my second natural disaster, and if you listen back to those episodes, I go into all of that because I lived in New York City when Hurricane Sandy hit, but your your cell phones don't work as well because there's an overload, like the 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 cell phone service is down, you know, within the area and there's limited service available in in the in the surrounding area and everyone's trying to like use their phone to call or to stream videos or whatever and so like the service is not great you know when there's a natural disaster or whatever and you have very hard time like utilizing your phone so so much of the day i spent just trying to read or journal like i was just sitting in my car like in so much of like my thoughts and I kept like seeing out of the corner of my right eye this freaking tree with this red ribbon on it. And for some reason, like Pablo kept popping into my mind. And this kept going on like all day long. And I kept actively being like, no, I don't want anything to do with him. I don't want to talk to him. And then it was like nearing like later in the evening and it was getting to be like 9 p.m. Austin time, which is Central Standard Time. And he kept like popping up. And then I was like, I need to ask my pendulum. Like, am I supposed to freaking call this guy? And so I literally went into the Airbnb. It was so dark and cold in there. And there's no lights, you know, so there's no power so that I could find my pendulum so I could ask and see if I was supposed to call him. And the answer was yes. And I was like, fuck, man, like, why do you want me to call this guy? Like, I don't want to call him. I have nothing to say to him. But I have been for the last year and a half, almost two years, committed to my highest self and what my highest self tells me to do. So they said, call him. And I said, all right. But the thing is, is I didn't even have his phone number because I had blocked and deleted his number. So I didn't even have his number in my phone. And I had his email, but I didn't want to email him because Pablo is such a He's like Pablo the planner. That's what I call him because literally he likes to have a planned out like answer for things, especially when he doesn't, he isn't controlling a situation. So he, if I would have emailed him or text him, he would have taken so much time to plan the perfect response. And I didn't want the perfect response from him. I wanted to know certain things and I wanted him to keep it real. Like I wanted honesty and vulnerability. I didn't want some perfectly planned out response from him because I know that that's how he is. And so I actually saw on my computer that I still had his iCloud email for some reason on my MacBook where you have kind of like your iMessages that can show up in there. His like iCloud email was in there and I have no freaking clue why. And obviously 
source placed it there. I have no idea because there's no reason why I would have that. I had deleted everything. So you can actually call, if you don't know this, you can actually call an iCloud email. And that's what I did. I called his freaking iCloud email and he was in California on a walk. He told me this like later on. He was like on a walk in a park in California and he was like sulking. He was like upset about me not, you know, wanting anything to do with him. He answered right away and I don't even know if I said hi. I just was like started grilling him. Like why why do you want like why now? Why do you want to talk now? I know you probably just got out of a relationship. I'm not a convenience, like blah, 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 blah. Like I just started grilling him about all these things because I just felt like, no, I don't really freaking care what he wants. Like, why do you think that you can just dip your toes in my pond now at this point? Like, here we are. Like, you didn't fucking respond to me a year ago. And now here, you're probably out of this relationship. And now you think that I'm just available to you, you know, like, no. And we ended up having a super long conversation that night, like maybe five or six hours into like the early hours in the morning, maybe like 2am. And I'm pretty sure I slept in my car that night, to be honest. Basically, I, I asked him a ton of questions that night. And he even said to me, he like later on, I didn't know this that night, but later on, like, he was upset that he was out walking because he did have like things written down where he knew like how he wanted to respond to me and he kind of had to throw all of that out the window because I just wanted honesty from him and I even told him that night I said to him I was like I don't know if you're worthy of me like I know what I want in a man and like I don't think that you're worthy of of everything that I have to offer and I don't think that you like are at that level and he was like I am like I am and I'm gonna show you I'm gonna prove it to you and I was like I don't believe anything that you say because again like I told you all he had been a talker for years where he would say a great fucking game he would spit a good game but his actions never backed it up and so I was just like I don't believe anything that you have to say he was like Kirby I don't care where you are I will come wherever you're at and I will show you I will prove to you and I was like well I don't I like don't want that you know because I just like didn't know how I felt about it he asked me after that phone call he was like well do you want me to give you my phone number again and I was like no I don't I don't want to have your number I don't like I don't know like I don't know what I want from you I was like I'm dealing with like real shit here like we don't have freaking power and like you're not a priority for me like I was so open I did not hold back at all with this guy I don't know what terms we left on I just I guess I was happy because I had gotten answers from him but I pretty much low-key felt internally like I don't want to get back with him like it's nice that he you know whatever but I still felt like I had become a completely different person and that I didn't feel that he would understand like who I am as a person now, um, just with my spirituality and the up level and mentality and so many different things. I just felt like there was a huge disconnect there, to be honest. So then that week went by where I was staying with that Indian family at their home and I think he texted me like one time like asking if I was okay and I was like not really but you know thanks um or no actually what happened was 
I text him like three days later and I was like, if, if you want to get back with me, you give me 10 solid reasons why I should consider getting back with you. Like I want to know 10 reasons, right? I text him this and then I never got a message back. And I was like, this motherfucker, this whole time after this whole thing has been how you never respond back to me. I was so bitter. I was like, I'm done. I'm freaking done. Like he already, he didn't pass the test because he didn't respond back. Like I'm, I'm not doing this. Like I'm literally not going to be a convenience to anybody ever again. And I was just like, nope, I'm, I'm literally done. I'm freaking done with this guy. And <laughs> because I had blocked his number, he was able to get messages from me, but I wasn't able to receive them back. <laughs> So he actually emailed me like two hours after he supposedly had replied to it and was like, hey, I just want to make sure that you got my text because I didn't get a reply back from you. So I don't want you to think that I'm not responding to you because I was so adamant about how disrespectful I felt that that was. So I didn't see that until like the next morning. And I was like, oh, fuck, maybe I <laughs> because he's blocked, I can't get his information or whatever and so that was the case and then he gave me 10 reasons and then they were they were good options I'm not gonna lie they were good reasons or whatever finally once things got back to normal in Austin we kind of slowly started talking a bit more and then we would have these like really long deep conversations with each other like I'm talking like six to eight hours long where we would talk like for such a long time and I don't even know like how we had so much to talk about but we just talked about like a lot of stuff and I constantly kept like asking him more details about what he wanted and all of these things and I think probably about two weeks into chatting he said something and he was like you know I don't really care I'll I'll be patient for as long as you need me to like I I, I will wait for however long you need me to wait and I said why are you so patient with me like why are you willing to wait like why what's the reason and I was not expecting the response I got back we were chatting via text message he wasn't on the phone with me and he replied back and he was like well because I love you I will do anything to be with you and I was so freaking shocked because I've never had somebody tell me they love me when I didn't love them back and I my whole but I'll tell you all this that it was so wild and I'll never forget this and I literally can visually see it in my mind's eye right now when I'm about to say this but I was sitting on the couch at my Airbnb and the second that I read that text message an entire like wave of energy shot up my body and I I was like holy shit and I didn't I didn't tell him that. I wasn't going to tell him that. I was going to stroke his ego. But I was like, oh my God, like what just happened? The next morning I woke up and I was like, you know what, Pab? I think I need you to come to Austin so that I can see if this is something I'm willing to consider. Because up until that point, I really had like a pinky toe dipped in. Like I wasn't even like halfway in. I was really a small amount in. Like he was 100% in where it was like, this is what he wanted. And I I wasn't, I'm, I'm not gonna lie, I wasn't. And he knew that. I mean, I was like 5% in. I, I really, but then, you know, he's telling me that he loves me, right? And I'm just like, oh, fuck. Like I need to see if I still feel an attraction to this person. If there's something, like everything's so different when you're on the phone. 
And so I said that to him on a Thursday. That same day, he booked a ticket to come to Austin that following Monday, which was March 1st. And so I said on Thursday, I think I need you to come down here. He booked a ticket and a hotel and all the things and a car and was in Austin four days later. That was really intimidating for me. I think that I thought like, okay, I'm ready to handle this. But I almost had like a mental breakdown. Like, because I I was so nervous about getting together to meet with him because this man had like professed his love to me. I just felt like it. there was a lot of weight weighing on it. This wasn't just like, let's get together and have a casual drink. It's like, no, this person is flying here to continue to profess their love to me, to prove to me that like they want to spend their life with me. Like there was, this wasn't like, there was no pressure. There was like so much pressure. And like I said, he was a hundred percent in and I was 5% in. Like I, I was not very open to it and I kind of had a panic attack in the, that day and it was really hard for me. And when he first got to my Airbnb where we were going to meet before we were going to go out to dinner, I could hardly even look at him because I just was like struggling so much internally. The rest of the time that he was there in Austin, you know, we ended up having after about two days, I, I really for those like first two days, I like continued to grill him and like seek more answers and I kept asking the same questions and wanting like reassurance and I was still having Akashic Record readings with clients and doing work and stuff during the day and stuff and he and I weren't staying together he had his own hotel and he was doing his own stuff or whatever basically like the second day I had or it was the third day it was Wednesday after the second day where I I was struggling a lot you know just being around him on the third day, I had two Akashic Record readings with clients. And then the message that came through for them was, you need to relinquish control. Something along those lines. I can't remember exactly what it was. Like, you stop, need to stop trying to control the situation. And for the couple days that he had already been there, I was having the worst stomach pains ever. I was, like, actively causing myself physical stomach pain because I wasn't allowing myself to just surrender and be in the moment. I kept trying to really control the moment, control the situation. And I wasn't in control. Like I needed to surrender. So after those two readings with clients, I realized that that message was also meant for me as well. And when I finally let go, he and I were able to have another couple nice days where I just allowed it to flow and I didn't try and be in control of anything. And he cooked me vegan meal. He took me out and we went kayaking on the river in Austin. We went and played top golf and he, you know, we drove around and had a nice time or whatever. So he did all these like really nice things cuz he wanted to like, you know, have a show me a good time or whatever it was. And then on his last day, I realized like I think this is I want to try this again. Um, I was very fearful. I'm not going to lie. I really was. Um, but I, I realized like, okay, this is something I'm willing to consider. But I said to him, I was like, listen, I'm moving to Mexico. I'm going to Mexico like April 1st. And he was like, well, maybe I can come and visit you in Mexico. You know, like, I don't care. And I was like, well, 
that's not going to work for me because I don't want to be in a long distance relationship. We had tried to do that before. I don't want to do that. I'm 33 now. Like I don't want to be in a long distance relationship. And then I said to him, I said, what if, what if you come to Mexico with me? Do you want to go to Mexico? And like, he didn't even hesitate. He was like, yeah, I, I will come with you to Mexico. And I was like, really? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, you know what? Like, if it doesn't work out, then we'll have a fun time in Mexico. And if it does work out, then it works out. I was like, but at least I enjoy spending time with you and we can give this a shot. We can give this a shot to see if this is something that that will work out between us. So that's what we decided. This is where it gets kind of nutty, but basically that was March 5th. That was March 5th. He came down to Austin March 1st. That was March 5th. I said, come with me to Mexico. (laughs) He had been living in LA for, I think, almost eight years at that point. And he, luckily, the good thing was, it's like so funny, divine timing, but obviously I had a car, which I had been driving around with all my stuff, but he didn't have a car because he had sold his car because... I I can't remember what it was. And he also had been contemplating, you know, leaving LA just because he didn't need to be there anymore. He also has an online business. He's a men's dating and relationship coach. And that was also another reason why I was very hesitant to get with him because I knew that he knew all the tricks of the trade. He knew exactly what to say to me to get me to whatever, get whatever outcome he wanted. And I was like, no, like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be a part. Like, I know, you know, everything that's right to say to a woman or to do like, ugh, I just like, didn't want to be a part of it, but whatever. So he works online and he has owned his own business for, I believe two and a half years at this point where he has his own one-on-one clients and, you know, he's a dating and relationship coach. So he already worked from home and he had been wanting to leave LA anyways. And he had been contemplating like becoming a nomad himself and trying to figure out like what his next steps were, but he like didn't know where he was feeling called to go. So then I guess when I offered on a silver platter, like, do you want to come with me to Mexico? And also it was going to give him an opportunity to see if it was possible for he and I to be together. Um, he wasn't going to say no to it. He was not going to pass it up. Right. So he went back to LA and basically he had almost like a little over three weeks to, get everything together because I was like, I want to go down to Mexico like April 1st. Like that's my game plan or whatever. And he was like, fine, done. I don't care. I guess his apartment, he had been on a month to month lease. So basically he went back to LA and he started putting everything in order to like move and leave there or whatever. And so then we decided like, oh, what you can do is you can rent a car. You can pack up your stuff, whatever you decide you want to bring He really decided that he wanted to like become a bit more minimal the same way I was. So whatever, blah, 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 blah. He was going to go through all of his stuff. But on March, it was something like March 18th, which was only like 
you know what, not even two weeks later, I found out that my uncle died. My godfather passed away in Chicago. That kind of threw a wrench in everything where I then was grieving the death of my godfather. And for many of you who know, I have this no contact boundary with my family. And so now I'm faced with the position of do I fly back to Chicago to go and to my godfather's funeral and I'm gonna have to like do this alone you know and I'm gonna have to deal with my family and I don't want to deal with them and this is where he's just such a saint he was like I'm not gonna send you back to Chicago by yourself with the state of everything that's in your family like there's no way I'm gonna make you do that he's like I'm gonna go with you and I was like are you sure because his funeral is gonna be on the 23rd of March this was like March 18th or 19th that we found out he died. His funeral is going to be on March 23rd. I was like, you're going to, you know, you'll fly to Chicago, then you can fly back to LA and then, you know, you're supposed to drive down to Austin. And he was like, what if I ship the stuff that I want to Austin? I fly from Cali to Chicago and then I just fly back to Austin with you And I was like, yeah, you can do that, but this is like such short timing. Like you're going to have to literally (laughs) get all of your stuff together like in such a short amount of time. Like this was also like a Thursday or a Friday that we found this out and we were going to have to leave the following Monday to get to Chicago because his funeral was going to be early Tuesday morning. So there was not even like another full business day where like things could get done and he could like accomplish stuff. You know what I'm saying? And he was going to have to then ship his stuff, like boxes of stuff to Austin. But he was like, no, this is what I'm going to do. He's like, fuck it. We're going to just figure it out. He literally did. He shipped a whole bunch of boxes, FedEx boxes. You know, it was a couple hundred dollars or whatever, shipped it to Austin he kind of just got rid of the rest of his stuff which he just felt like it's fine I don't need to have it I don't care he you know donated a whole bunch of stuff and then he brought like two or three checked bags large duffel bags like that he flew with and met me in Chicago and what happened was that Monday when he was supposed to get on his flight he missed his flight he missed his flight from LA to get to Chicago that Monday evening. And this is where I put all of my faith in Sophia because I was like, no, it's going to be fine. Like everything's going to work out. And then I landed in Chicago Monday evening. There was no direct flights from Austin to Chicago. So I flew from Austin to North Carolina, then over to Chicago, which ended up being like eight hours of traveling, which was exhausting, but whatever. And I still was like dealing with grieving my godfather. Not one person from my family had called me to see if I was okay or to tell me their condolences of my godfather dying. That's just, if I can give you any kind of insight into how my family is, that says it all right there. The only person who contacted me was my sister-in-law, who's technically not somebody who 
was blood relative, you know, she was married into the family. And I realized like that really showed me a lot. And like how my family has no idea how to deal with deeply emotional situations. They just completely run in the opposite direction. And the normal thing to do is to tell somebody, I'm so sorry for your loss. And like, I didn't get that from anybody in my family, which I guess I shouldn't have been shocked of, but it kind of just confirmed like a lot for me, but whatever. So I landed in Chicago late that night. They wouldn't let me get my rental car because I don't have a credit card. I use a debit card. And I, when I went through so many things in my early 20s, I got rid of all my credit cards. So I didn't have a credit card. You need a credit card to get a rental car. They wouldn't give it to me. And I, there I was at like midnight at the car rental place. And I can't get my car. I'm like, how am I going to Uber to my uncle's freaking funeral? I can't Uber to his funeral. <laughs> I'm on the phone with Pablo. He had gotten another flight. He was laying over in Seattle and then he was going to have to take an overnight flight to get to Chicago. So I was like, okay, he's going to land in Chicago at like 6 a.m. We have to leave, you know, to go to the funeral, but it's going to be fine. Everything's going to work out. I literally did not allow myself to freak out at all during this. I said to him like, fine, I'm just going to take an Uber from the airport right now and go to the hotel that I booked because I can't do this. Like I literally cannot. And then he was like, okay, what we'll do is we'll rent a car through Toro. So that's this other, it's kind of like Uber for cars where people like rent out their cars and you don't have to have a credit card for it. So that worked out. But also I would say that it's kind of wise for you to have a credit card just as a backup option. But because I had gone through so many issues in my early twenties where I kind of abused having a credit card and like went into a lot of debt because of it, I had gotten rid of all my credit cards. So we decided that we we're going to use Toro. It ended up being cheaper than renting a car. I highly recommend if you're ever going to go a place and you need to get a car, use Toro. It's awesome. And you can pick all different types of cars that you can use. Anytime that he and I have traveled or gone anywhere since then, we still use that app and it's awesome. And you don't have to worry about anything. It's literally like equivalent to getting an Airbnb or, or something like that, but for cars, like it's awesome. So he ended up helping me figure out that situation. I took an Uber to the hotel. The next morning, he picked up the car. He met me at the hotel. We got ready. He drove to the funeral. I meditated and like tried to get myself grounded before seeing my family, who I haven't seen in, at that point, it was a year and a half, and then not being in contact with them. And I also was then showing up <laughs> to my uncle's funeral with some random person because I had been single for seven and a half years. So my family had known me as single Kirby. Nobody even knew that this was a thing. And also at that point, he and I had been dating for like, what, two weeks? You know what I mean? So then I'm like at my uncle's funeral with some random guy. (laughs) He ended up holding it down. There was a couple of interactions where Tom, my father, tried to be nasty to me and do things and he kind of stepped in and held on the fort for me which was amazing and then he and I ended up staying in Chicago for two days after that where we just kind of were able to breathe for a second because up until that point it had been so intense and so stressful 
not because of our relationship, but because of the second that we decided to be in a relationship, like real life relationship stuff happened. I, you know, he was trying to move across the country to come and meet me. We're trying to plan a trip to get down into Mexico. My uncle passes away, you know, it's like dealing with death very early on in, in grief and all of that in the beginning of a relationship is intense shit. You know, it's like a lot of stuff, you know, and we, we managed it. Neither one of us, it, it just shows the growth that we both had had as people because neither one of us allowed it to get the best of us. We didn't snap at each other. We didn't freak out at each other. Like there was obstacles that kept getting thrown our way and we were just like, okay, how can we handle this? And we both would just figure it out together. Like neither one of us was left to just figure it out. We both just figured it out together. And that showed me so much of who we are as people and the growth that we have as individuals um, and how we can do things together as a couple because you know when you it, it the real test of a relationship is not when things are rainbows and daisies it's when obstacles are being thrown at you and how are you handling them together you know and he he and I really held down the fort there was no freak out moments there was a lot of bad hard stuff that kept getting thrown our way and we just kept figuring it out and we kept figuring it out and we kept figuring it out and so then we traveled back to Austin together and we got back to Austin, I think on March, you know, 27th or something. So we had a couple days then where we needed to get it together to figure out going down into Mexico now. <laughs> and again, we were then, you know, our first month of dating where, you know, usually you have all of these like la 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 times of just you know stuff like we had real adult shit that we were dealing with and figuring out and Pablo really took the lead I was very grateful for two reasons um because I kept trying to sell my car because I didn't really want to drive a black Range Rover into Mexico it's not that I didn't trust that but I just didn't want to draw any more attention to myself that's an expensive car. I'm a white woman, foreigner. Like, I just didn't want to draw any of that attention. The best part is, is that, number one, I was now going to be driving into Mexico with a man, which did make me feel a bit safer. And he's fluent in Spanish because he's 100% Dominican. So all of those things made a world of a difference because it made things a bit easier for me. We kind of navigated so many things. Um, I ended up not being able to sell my car before we were leaving. I asked Source, like, is this going to be fine? Is it okay for me to drive this car down? And she was like, yes, don't worry about it. Everything's fine. So I trusted that. And I was like, okay, fine. So I took care of getting the car all tuned up and fine and good to go so that we could get down here. And then I, you know, he kind of tracked out our route to come down here. There were some other issues that kind of came up of some other things but basically, you know, we got it all together and we held on the fort. And and I still, in the midst of all of that time, I still had my full moon circle at the end of March. I still had my one-on-one Akashic Record sessions. He still hid has his one-on-one stuff with his clients. We were managing running our businesses out of this other Airbnb in Austin while planning all of this other stuff to get shit together. And like then now being around each other. I mean, it was such a wild time and the last thing that I'm going to say is I really knew that this guy cared so much about me and and would do anything for me when obviously it was a big thing with my uncle's funeral that showed so much to me um, of who he is as a person and what he would do for me but when he and I were driving across the Mexican border 
he was driving and basically in order to drive your car into Mexico, you have to go and get a permit and you get this permit and it costs like, I don't know, $50, but they put like a $400 hold on your account to whatever, um, you know, so that you renew it. I don't even freaking know. It lasts six months because basically you can get a tourist visa to stay in Mexico for six months. And then the only thing you have to do in between then is either fly out or do a visa run to renew your visa or whatever. And so it was easiest for us to just come into Mexico as tourists because we didn't really know what our plans were. Um, and so we went, you know, to the border, we drove to the border in Texas and he's fluent in Spanish. So most of the stuff where we had to go up and sign this paperwork and do all this stuff, he kind of handled it because he speaks Spanish and it's easier to have somebody just speak to them in Spanish. And, you know, I didn't really have to worry about so much of the stuff because he was speaking their language. But when we had to go and actually get the permit, I actually, I was very nervous. I was super kind of sick the morning of, and I was nervous about being so sick because I was like, what's like, why do I feel so off? But basically because the nerves were getting to me so much, it was giving me stomach pains. Like it was giving me the worst stomach pains ever because I was so nervous about bringing my car into Mexico and like what would happen and is everything going to be okay? Like I was just nervous. It wasn't easy where you're just like flying across the border and you just fill out like one form. Like there was like a lot to go and I'm white. I don't speak the language. Like there was just a lot of pieces of it. I was very nervous about it. We got up to go where we were going to get the permit. And up until that point, he had been with me throughout the entire process. And then they were like, she has to go by herself. And he was like, well, she doesn't speak the language. Like I can translate for her. And they were like, don't worry. She'll be fine because they speak English over there. Like she, everything's going to be okay. Um, but for him, that he didn't like that because all of a sudden he got his power kind of taken away from him. He got the control removed from him. And so I had to go over to this other area where I had to speak with these people by myself and they did end up speaking English and it ended up being fine and everything worked out or whatever. But he could see me. I was like 40 feet away from him. He could see me, but the fact that he couldn't be there with me, it like killed him inside and he became extremely emotional and he was crying over there because he felt like he couldn't protect me. That's kind of like a thing with him where he wants to protect. And that's such a beautiful attribute of his. He's such a safety person and a protector. And, and that's a big part of who he is as a person. And he felt like he couldn't protect me. Like he didn't know what was going on and he couldn't be there to protect me. And so when I came back afterwards, I was like, okay, we're all good. Like everything's good or whatever. And he's like crying. He wasn't just like crying. He was very upset. He was crying a lot. And I was like, oh my God, like what's going on? And he, he couldn't really even verbalize like how he was feeling because he didn't, he didn't even realize himself. Like that's how much he cared about me. That like, that's, that it affected him so deeply and emotionally where him as a man, his power got taken away from him. And that just made him distraught inside. And then he didn't like how he couldn't be this protector for me. So we finished up everything inside, everything became fine. And then we went out to the car and oh, we, I didn't make us drive anywhere. I told him, I was like, you don't have to bypass how you're feeling right now. Like, 
keep crying like let's talk about this how how are you like what can I do for you I'm you know and I just kept reassuring him that everything was okay and everything was fine and he just kept telling me like why he felt that way and all these things and he was very very open and we were supposed to drive that day for 12 hours to get to a town a bit further into Mexico we had decided that like our first day we were going to drive like the farthest but when he became extremely emotional and kind of the same thing like with my nerves for the day we realized like this we're both too emotionally distraught right now and we I don't think we can handle 12 hour drive, especially after you've been crying, like your body feels exhausted. My body felt exhausted because I had had so much physical pain, like leading up to going across the border, which let me tell you, all of that went away once we made everything was fine. But for him, he still was dealing with like deep emotional things. So we changed our route to go to Monterey instead. And so that was only a three, I think a three and a half hour drive. And we drove there, we booked a new hotel and we stayed there and then um we were able to get like a really good night's sleep and we ended up leaving the next morning like early at like 6 or 7 a.m or whatever and we were both able to have like a good shower a good sleep and we had like a very relaxing night which is exactly what we needed because we were both exhausted i'm pretty sure the second that we got to the hotel we just fell asleep for like an hour or two because our bodies were just so depleted it, it was a really amazing thing for me. And even through the short time that we were driving from the border to Monterey, he would break down crying at times in between them too because it just really rocked him. And it, I had never experienced like that kind of care from somebody before, that kind of unconditional love and, and care and compassion and acceptance. And it was so beautiful for me to experience it in that way. And I felt so honored to have him by my side like he his actions really came back around and I really felt like I really saw him as a person and it was just absolutely absolutely beautiful like I I couldn't ask for anything more I think what I'm going to do now is I'm going to round this out here but so I'm going to do a Q&A with him. I'm going to have him on the podcast next week. You all can ask any questions that you would like to ask. You can ask both of us. You can ask whatever you would want. So I will put in the description below where you can submit some questions. So if you have anything specific that you would like to know about our relationship, please feel free. We would love to be open and kind of share maybe if you all want to see what his perspective was with all of this. Obviously, you have all heard my perspective at this point in time, but you will all be able to kind of get to meet him a little bit and hear a little bit about what his thoughts and things are. So that is it for this episode. I hope you all enjoy it. Thank you all so much for your love and support. I appreciate all of you. I love all of you. If you want to see any of the things that are available right now, you can click the link in the description and see all the things that I have at this point in time. Do random acts of kindness. Give back to the world. Let's spread that love. Let's spread that positivity. Small things to make this world a better place. I appreciate you all and I'll see you in the next one. Bye!